Welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis, and I'm here today with my two brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis. Today, we're saying goodbye to 2017 and looking forward to 2018. You can learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. It's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Now, let's take a look back at 2017 and take a look forward to 2018. Welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother year-end of 2017 episode. Uh, my name is Wyndham Lewis. I'm here with my brothers Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, and today we are slamming the fucking door on 2017 and opening uh, the door to 2018 um, very happily. It was a very um, divisive and kind of crummy year, but uh, you know there was some great music uh, that came out this year, and that's what great we've been new talking podcasts. about. Yeah, and a great uh, actually this this podcast dates all the way back to 2016, um, uh-huh. December of 2016. But it has been a good year for, and we've had a lot of fun doing it. So um, I don't know. You want? Uh, I'd actually first you want to just uh, sort of um, as we are talking about what a fine year in music it is. You want to sort of give a, a bit of a lowdown on our our recently released top 21 albums of 2017. Sure. Um, you know, if you guys recall from uh, from a few weeks ago, uh, our number one album that you know was was Vince Staples' Big Fish, um, which I think we're all you know in consensus was uh, uh, interestingly was not the number one album for any one of the three of us, um, but it was in the top five for all three of us. And uh, you know, I think that that um, our you know when we pumped that into our, our supercomputer. Um, that was uh, that was the result that that it gave us. Uh, White Reaper came in second, um, then Spoon, Queens of the Stone Age, a lot of great rock and roll um, in that top five, and rounded out uh, in the fifth spot with Kendrick Lamar. Um, then uh, a couple of you know new sort of up and coming bands in Big Thief and Casper Skulls right outside uh, right outside the top five there, which you know I think we're we can all agree we're very excited to to see what they bring next. Um, in 2018, um, you know, and then a, f- a few others. Uh, I think there were uh, a handful of artists here who really don't come as a surprise to anybody. Jason Isbell, Margot Price, LCD, um, the XX. Uh, but I think, you know, there were a few other... Uh, yeah, I'd throw in one surprise for the Brother Brother Pod, which was Kesha's album, Rainbows, which landed at 11 for us. And we hmm. all, I think, had on all three of our lists as well. Yeah, um, Alex Leahy and Always, um, also in that top 21, along with uh, Ron Gallo, Diet Sig, Charlie Bliss. So we have some, some good Brooklyn representation there as well. Um, and, uh, and Jane Weaver, um, who Wyndham, uh, Wyndham was a late uh, submission from, from champion Europe. Champion uh, the Jane Weaver album. I think it's uh, among the best of the year. And uh, really... What did not appear on my radar uh, for a very long time, and I got very into it towards the end of the year. So thrilled to uh, have discovered that and, and riding hard for any artist over 40. So, boom, <laughs> there you go. I think what we're saying is listen to our two-part episodes on uh, the albums of the year, if you mm-hmm. haven't already. 
Yeah, there's some and some you know there's some great uh, uh, live shows this year. I mean, Christian I believe saw all of them, and um, Jeremy and I were a close second with I think probably you know ten and five respectively. <laughs> it was uh, it it was yeah it was an excellent year for for live music. Um, you know I, I would say that in a normal year, uh, the age age that I am and place that I live, um, it's pretty easy to to you know to be a regular attendee at, at these shows. Um, add into the mix uh, any pretense of pseudo journalism or whatever the hell we're doing here, um, and uh, and I have found an excuse to be at a concert four days a week um, because. Uh, to my girlfriend or employers, you have to understand, I, I'm just doing my job. Mm-hmm. Easy job. <laughs> yeah, I, I say um, that every time I watch that. television. So, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. During the day. Um, no, I mean, there, there were some there were some really awesome ones, though. I mean, I, I with you guys both, uh, and, you know, I'll, I'll let you talk a little bit about this, but, I mean, I, I saw a number of the LCD shows um, in, their, in their sort of comeback uh, from a several-year hiatus, um, both in their original tour, which they were, you know, Shutting up and playing the hits for for um, uh, lack of a, a, an original term, um, but then also again in, the, in this newer tour uh, where they were playing American Dream. Um, you guys saw them on both as well, right? Yeah, so I, I got to see them twice. I saw them in Boston, but then I think most memorably was the Brooklyn Steel shows. Actually, kind of the warm up to American Dream, where they were trying out about you know three of the new songs per set. And basically shutting up and playing the hits for the rest of the set. And I, I got to say, like, it was one of those, you know, every once in a while you go to a concert and you have that sort of communal experience, I think much like uh, Grateful Dead fans claim to have that I don't quite understand with their music, but I definitely understood it at LCD. It was uh, probably one of the, the best shows I've seen and, and just fun, a lot of fun. Yeah, and it feels it feels a little bit like in an age of, of sort of cynicism and... and um I think that it is kind of nice to to be in a room full of people who are just so completely bought into something. Um, a little cultish too, maybe if I were reflecting on it more critically. But um, you know, but it really is. It's it's just. I mean, all three of us dancing is a quite quite a sight to see. So, yes. You know, no, it's, you know. it certainly is. I, I would hate to think that there's video of that out there anywhere. I was going to say the the there's the uh, hardest working bands in New York. Uh, Christian would be awarded the hardest working fan in New York, and Christian's <laughs> yeah, shirt on the night of LCD was the hardest working uh, textile in New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's right. Um, well, so you know, I think we, uh, you know, we we definitely also wanted to, I think, talk a little bit about some of the album covers and and some of the other categories, you know, areas where. Where uh, you know, looking back, there were some exciting, um, you know, exciting moments or, or aspects of, of music and the music world that we wanted to sort of reflect on. So, um, do you want to start and talk a little bit about album covers? Yeah, I just wanted to talk about. I mean, mainly uh, album covers. Were uh, I believe we're we're talking about that because um, we're talking about the little box in the bottom left of your Spotify uh, screen. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> I remember these things. No, there's some really cool ones actually. It's just such a strange thing uh, that. People are still putting a lot of effort into these things, and I'm happy they are. You know, that's what I miss almost as much as anything about um, the era of purchasing um, records, or, or in my case, you know, I mean, records, then cassettes, then CDs, uh, and then Flat an iPod, and then flexi discs, then getting completely fucking confused and, and not being able to. Um, keep up with it anymore. Um, no, I, I did used to have some good picture discs, but um, yeah, there. I was 
my I myself I there's I can't even you know I don't I didn't even listen to the new Feist record but I love that album cover I thought it was really cool um, there's a couple sort of um, White Reaper and Moses Sumney both sort of uh, you know took that sort of isolated against a uh, you know a solid backdrop photo that's that in both cases are really striking and and very cool you know um, I don't know if you saw the Moses Sumney album cover but it I did um, I loved it yeah it's pretty awesome. Uh, King Cruel, I think. Uh, I love paid, that album cover. That was definitely on my list. It's a great paid, paid tribute. I, it felt like an homage to to Pink Flag by Wire. Yeah. It's just that lone, you know, sort of Pink, uh, uh, jet stream, jet stream across yeah, a blue sky. Um, Speaking of know, jets, I love the Sheer Mag album cover too. Oh yeah, that uh, is really feel cool. your love flying into yeah. the eye of the storm there. And as you mentioned, you know the single, uh, the the photo of the artist on the cover. I think um, Thundercats album cover, Drunk, was was awesome. That's it's like just... something out of the Parliament Funkadelic. Oh, Playbook. truly, love yeah, it. yeah. I'm um, not that, wild that was about maggot, that, that album. That was maggot it. brain um, yeah. all over it. Yeah. Um, but, I was going to say the King Cruel album is, you know, I think the, the cover arts is as great as the uh, title of the album is horrible. <laughs> the Ooze. Uh, the Ooze. Um, I like that album. I, I like I, that I, the album is good. I just, the album title, I could do without it. Just, and it also it was such a striking piece of artwork. I was like, wow, why would you ruin it with that title? Anyway. Well, the uh, jumper. I mean, I, you know, I would toss in there a couple others. I think Blank Mass have done awesome oh, yeah. album covers. I mean, they've they've either been awesome or gross, but they've certainly been striking. Um, and they're they put out on the very brave people at Sacred Bones Records who keep letting them do this. Um, and then, of course, Mass Seduction uh, by yeah. Saint Vincent is you know is is such a shocking uh, just a visual. Great. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's really striking and and sort of. Um, uh, and just cuts against like cuts against the grain of of a lot of the other album art I felt I saw this year, um, and uh, and then Teenage Emotions by Lil Yachty. Jeremy and I were just talking about yeah. this before this episode. That this, you know, I think Jeremy, you said it was I think the, it's like the most punk rock album cover of the year, and it's by a hip hop artist. It's just perfectly sums up kind of the cross pollination of you know, different sexes, awkward teenageness, and rebellion. It's a, it's a fantastic album cover. Migos Culture, too. I, I like that, too. Badass yeah, badass album cover. That's sort of the, uh, and similarly has, you know, a, a, um, the, the entire art is contained sort of around the, the center point of the album, a little bit like uh, White Reaper, actually, as I'm thinking about it. Um, there's sort of a, a we, complimentary... Do you agree White Reaper had the best album title of the year? Oh, yeah. Yes, I would <laughs> say. Yes. The, the, world's, the world's best American band. Even better than The Ooze. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, and, and I mean, it, it, you know, we're sort of... Um, I mean, one of the reasons we're talking about album art and because we love it, another reason is because it's, you know, there every other element of music um, has been, cut, you know, sort of well-trod at this point, um, you know, as far as 2017 is concerned. Uh, a lot of talk about, you know, the, the album or the song of the year or whatever, um, you know, thought we'd take a little detour and talk that. But, you know, one of the things that always gets mentioned in these year-end things are the, are the people we lost um, in the music world. And... This year was, um, you know, I mean, you know, 2016, we we lost Bowie and Prince, which was just like a double whammy, um, just of, of, you know, uh, icons and, and people that I've, you know, absolutely loved. Um, this year, it was, it was uh, another couple of shockers. I mean, Tom Petty dying four days after his uh, tour ended. 
Um, you know, and, and Petty being the sort of, I always think of as a sort of the center point of American music. He's like one guy that I can't think of anybody I know who doesn't like Tom Petty. I mean, there's varying degrees of fandom, but, um, you know, that guy doesn't have a lot of detractors because he's, you know, it's just sort of universally liked music or loved music, depending well, on who you ask. It's funny you say that. I mean, he, 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 I mean, even in this group of the three of us, I think there are, um, different degrees of fandom of Tom Petty. And, uh, you know, growing up with, with Free Fallen, I had, I was introduced to some of the later stuff, um, first, which, you know, wasn't necessarily my favorite. Um, you know, but, but the thing is like, there's, there's a lot of great music in his, uh, in his catalog. And, and, you know, I think I would, and certainly I would never, um, describe myself as a detractor you know it's sort of a you, you at, at worst people are um positive and you know maybe not uh, mega fans yeah. but like yeah exactly i mean he's he's still he's still such a sort of iconic and central figure in, in american rock music um and apparently a, a really sort of well-liked and sort of well-respected guy yeah. well i think too he's one of those guys that you know kind of like you said when the fact that Tom Petty is somebody that, you know, we lost Prince last year. There's very few artists that are are huge that you feel like kind of everybody likes. They at least like something about that artist. And and Tom Petty was one of those guys that was also kind of hard to pinpoint. Like, I mean, he definitely had, obviously, the American rock and roll thing, but he had a, a psychedelic edge, a sort of power pop edge, and even early on was grouped in with, like, new wave and punk, you know, mm-hmm. and... and um, you know, it was definitely Do people a shame, forget that shame to lose him. I mean, obviously, we lost Chris Cornell and Chester Bennington, kind of people, obviously, of my era, especially uh, Soundgarden. We did a whole episode on grunge when um, Chris Cornell passed, and then Chester Bennington was quite a surprise. I, I'm not a super fluent in, in Lincoln Park, other than knowing that they were huge. Christian might be able to shed some more light on them, but I know that that was like a massively successful band, seemingly sort of uh, with, you know, no end in sight of their success in fandom, and then all of a sudden, um, snap, and it's gone. Well, Lincoln Park was interesting because I think they were, um, you know, I mean, I don't, I, they were inventive in a way that, you know, wasn't really that appealing to me, but, you know, they were also, I believe, you know, from what I've, what I understand from people who have followed their career closely, they were sort of run like like a Silicon Valley startup. I mean, they were... Uh, incredibly sharp or incredibly shrewd when it came to business and and you know sort of bucking certain um, conventions within the music industry. Um, but yeah, go ahead, Christian. You know more about it than I do. No, I was I was only. I mean, I, I would echo that point. I mean, I think they they were um, run like a, a fairly tight company, um, which I think was pretty unusual given the. Um, you know, if you if you look at the bands that they were touring with, and and you know the places that they were, uh, the festivals that they were playing, um, you know they were they were definitely sort of a cut above in terms of their their savvy. Um, in in addition, you know, I, I think they were actually a, a pretty original band. I mean, I, I they put together, you know, and obviously in collaboration with with Jay Z, um, you know, one of the most sort of successful crossover albums uh, between rap and rock that that you know. Though frankly, we've seen since Aerosmith and Run DMC, um, it's a difficult thing to do. Whether they did it, you know, successfully is a, sort of a question of Matter it of can taste, be a question yeah. of taste, but but you know, they certainly did it successfully, uh, you know, in terms of numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and uh, and yeah, I mean, they were really uh, really a sort of beloved group of of my age group. So um, sorry to see that guy go. Yeah, I mean, and we won't make a comprehensive list, but you know, I mean, people worth mentioning, like uh, you know, I mean, Chuck Berry, um, legend. Uh, <laughs> I got to say, of, of all of these, that actually probably bummed me out the most. I did, there was just something about it. I, I mean, part of it was timing, but it was you know, that guy's he was such a fucking great guitarist and such yeah, an icon yeah. and, and his, his whole attitude toward yeah it was just a, I mean it was about just being a star and just con, you know shining as brightly as possible and, and doing it for himself which well he's a, he was also a crazy man um, oh yeah and well and he was nuts yeah <laughs> if you but haven't I mean, watched Hail Hail Rock and Roll you must but, yeah uh, it's, it's worth very, it it's definitely worth and it and then you know I know someone who was very near and dear to Jeremy's heart uh, Christopher Wong Wan <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't laugh at the deceased that's awful um, yeah, two live crew, man. I mean, that is my, uh, you know, I'm a child of the late eighties, early nineties. And, uh, you know, every young boy loves super dirty lyrics and two live crew <laughs> fucking push the boundaries more than anybody. We, and, uh, uh, you know, we, I, I have to say that my, my first introduction to two live crew was, um, in sixth grade, uh, as my football coach at the time was a <laughs> Miami Hurricanes graduate and would play that at practice. Nice. And we all thought it was the funniest thing. It was sort of like before you get porn on the internet, you could listen totally. to live crew. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's exactly what it was. Um, no, and there's something that, that I think uh, uh, just, you know, clicks clicks sort of perfectly with the with the sixth grade um, male mind uh, of, like my, of that my, stuff. My third like, grade bus driver playing beat meatloaf bat out of hell every day. Yeah, I'd say <laughs> the forty year old mind can also enjoy two live crew every once in a while too. But yeah, I, I I have to admit I saw that name on on this on the list of, of people we were paying tribute to, and I said, "Who the hell is Christopher Wong Wan?" <laughs> to which Jeremy said, "Well, he was the other guy in two live crew." <laughs> Who else? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I mean, we lost Prodigy from Mob Deep, a group that we love. Uh, Greg Allman, a group that, you know, we also love. Jay Giles, one of Boston's uh, finest. But I, I do want to circle back, too, to some living things. And as much as sad as it is to lose all those artists, which we lose every year, you know, I don't get to as many shows as Christian. Let's talk about some other bands that we saw live this year that were fun. Can it's we do the that? transition that you just made from dead artists to live acts. <laughs> <X. laughs> yeah, it's pretty okay. good, right? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, I like yeah. have gotten better over the past. <laughs> yeah, months. exactly. Um, well, go ahead. <laughs> Once I was excited about it, I mean, I saw, um, you know, Jared and I saw Alex Leahy at, at Grace Scott in Boston with Dude York Which, opening. I think the best part of that show, and, and she was fantastic and, and just a, you know, a joy to see, but was that, you know, she was great Scots for those of you who aren't familiar with the Boston club scene. Is a very very small bar, and uh, Wyndham and I are, are lucky enough to catch many up and coming bands there. But you know, the next night she was going to play the Seth Meyers show in New York City, and we'll never <laughs> set foot in Great Scots again. So that was a lot of fun. That is true. I think you know my the way you know I was I will uh, you know I bang the drum very hard for uh, White Reaper, who I saw earlier. Um, this year, jeez, uh, I saw a lot of people. Um, and it, it was, um, you know, I think the both standouts for me were, were sort of LCD um, early and, you know, at, at Brooklyn Steel. And then um, Jared and I went and saw Deer Tick the other night on uh, New Year's Eve Happy New um, Year's. at the Sinclair in Cambridge. And um, I, I, I've, I, this is sort of a, a milestone in, in uh, um, my music fandom where, um, my my friend's son is now um, playing keyboards in Deer to Gabe Bernini, so um, I uh, I've reached that age where my friend's kids are are in top notch touring you acts. Love. Yeah, <laughs> I'd love to throw out a shout out too, and I think we all saw these guys at separate times. But Active Bird Community from New York, and uh, oh, yeah. I've haven't seen a band, you know, and, and we're big fans and excited to see what they do next, um, and hopefully we'll have them on the pod soon. But, you know, it's a band that, like, I haven't seen kind of that much, I guess, Press. what do you want to call it, college enthusiasm. fandom and enthusiasm in the crowd. I was, saw them at Mercury Lounge, and it was a blast. You know, it was uh, just a pure joy. And then they're a great live act as well. No, it really feels like they've got a, they've got a solid, um, you know, they're, they're always playing a home game, at least. And, you know, I've, I've only seen them in the New York area. But, um, and, you know, I think... Uh, but, but people really turn out for them, and there's just a ton of enthusiasm about it. Um, I would say I'm, I'm particularly glad that we waited until, uh, you know, until truly the end of the year to, to do our um, Fuck You and Goodbye 2017 and uh, Thank God and Welcome 2018, um, because actually only in the last um, few days I saw one of the best shows I've seen this year, which was, of course, Charles Bissell from The Runs um, playing. You know, he, he was nominally opening for... Um, Symbols E guitars, but uh, he had uh, a few tricks up his sleeve. Um, I would say he made "Oh Holy Night" sound like a Ren song, which was awesome. It was um, actually they wrote it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was on their first <laughs> album. <laughs> oh, got it. Um, but uh, soon to be re-released. Yeah, no, but so they'd been practicing with with or he'd been practicing with Symbols E guitars as you know to play. Uh, old run songs and they um you know played half the songs off the metal lens uh and it was fantastic to see first of all to you know to see charles up there and and um 
you know, in action is, is pretty awesome. Um, itself and in addition just like how enthusiastic the guys from Symbol Z guitars were and it suddenly occurred to me that you know in a, in a way um their sound is so like because those guys those guys are my age and they you know their their sound is so shaped equal parts by um sort of like uh, the Renz harmonies and screamo um and i you know it's it sounds like a bizarre combination but it suddenly clicked into place when i saw you know when i saw uh these Ren songs played and then saw Symbol Z guitars set. Um, in addition to that, I would toss out two others, Charlie Bliss, who are just, I mean, as their name would suggest, it is a pretty blissful pop punk experience. Um, it's a, it's really great. You know, if you're not, um, bouncing up and down on the balls of your feet by the end of that show, uh, then you weren't listening to the same thing I was because it really is kind of an infectious, uh, experience. And then finally I would just toss out Margot Price who, you know, I, I saw her um, at a really wonderfully sort of intimate uh, set at Rough Trade, um, which is a, a you know a record store with a small venue in the back, um, as she was recording for the Serious Outlaw um, live concert series, and uh, that was really, I mean, that was a pretty special thing. Um, she's obviously generated a lot of positive press for herself, I think, in the last few months um, with this new album, but uh, but it is everything I think that. We have uh, hyped it up to be, and and that other critics have as well. So I definitely recommend checking yeah, that saw, out. I had the pleasure of seeing her a few years ago um, before Midwest Farmer's Daughter came out on at a hotel cafe in in Los in Hollywood. And um, yeah, she was. You could tell early on. I mean, it, yeah, you could tell she was going to gain uh, momentum, but um, you know, just too much talent to to be kept. Uh, a secret for any length of time. So, well, and one of those things that, like, like Jason Isbell and like Sturgill, you know, who you know, and I think I think I do think of the three of them as, as um, while not you know directly uh, related in any way, um, you know, they are shaping the sort of country music industry from uh, from the outside, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, you know, no, they are, and thankfully. Yeah, um, but also the three of them, you know, are like like so like the tradition often um, garners. You know, they're they're talents that have spent ten years working hard and playing bars um, before they really broke into their uh, you know into their stride. So, yeah. Well, you want to take a quick break and come back and talk about brother, 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 the podcast year in review. Yeah, let's talk about ourselves when we come back. How about that? <laughs>
Welcome back to Brother, Brother, Brother. And uh, today we are going to be talking about ourselves for the next 20 minutes or so. Favorite um, subject. It won't really be that long. Uh, but we would like to highlight a few of our favorite moments. I mean, this has been our inaugural year. Uh, we got started, you know, I, I think, what, literally a year and a week or two ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, frankly, it's been, a, I, I think, uh, an, an unmitigated success of epic proportions according to the New York Times. Um, and I can say that only because, uh, actually, you can just make shit up like that now um, after 2017, <laughs> and actually nobody's going to check you on it. So Well, and they do own the Boston Globe, who kind of thinks we're the shit. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, that yeah. actually did happen. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Wyndham, want to start talking about our, our string of amazing achievements? Well, we started off uh, with by recording our... It was a... Our first podcast was recorded when we were all living in different cities. I was in Los Angeles, Christian uh, Brooklyn, and Jeremy um, suburban Boston. And, um, you know, we sort of had various uh, iterations. You guys are in the same room tonight. Um, I don't know that we've all three been in the same room, but maybe once or twice. But um, it's been a lot of fun talking uh, music and other things. Uh, we've had some really uh, nice um, attention from press, the Boston Globe, uh, Here and Now, NPR's Here and Now did a nice interview uh, back a couple months ago. And um, But one of the coolest things that we were able to do was uh, interview, do a couple of live events um, this year. Uh, we've been able to interview a bunch of people that are, you know, really glad to have been able to talk to, but um, we did a, did a handful of live events. We uh, did a world tour uh, over the summer where uh, Christian and I went to Port Elliot, Saltash, Cornwall, and um, went to... Talk the, about the uh, fest real quick. I mean, what yeah. is the Port Elliot Fest for those who well, Port don't Elliot know. Literary Festival is, is one of the largest uh, literary festivals in England. This is sort of a um, more of a, a British thing than an American thing, but it, it does have uh, a lot of the similar characteristics of a, of a music festival. It's in a remote location in the English countryside. It takes place at, a, um, at the oldest continuously lived-in... Um, Residence in the United Kingdom. It that's, is that's nothing like most music festivals, by the way. It's yeah. in a magical castle buried in the mountains or like the hills of Cornwall. So yeah, it was pretty remarkable. I was it was fun because I had been a few times before, and and um, uh, Catherine St. Germans uh, is uh, the um, the woman who who lives at Port Elliot and and runs the. Uh, festival and does a phenomenal job, and she is uh, good friends of friends. So I had been a couple times before, and I couldn't wait for you to see it when we got there because I, I was sort of like, you know, there's a, I can tell you all about this place, but until you actually set foot on the on the grounds, you're gonna, you know, it's gonna kind of blow your mind. And, well, and it was our real—I mean, it was our real privilege when we were there, also to I think interview uh, Jeff Dyer and, and Richard Mason, two of our favorite authors. Um, yeah, that was our, our that was our live event there, and it, it really went phenomenally well. Um, largely, I mean, not largely, entirely. Uh, due to the talent we had on stage with us. Um, <laughs> I don't know, know what you're talking about. Me, Just, after, you know, three days heavily soaked in rosé, uh, you know, put sort of wheelbarrowed onto a stage covered in mud. Um, and, yes, then, thankfully, their uh, shining intellects took over. Um, 
but yeah, and we two, were of, able two to. of our favorite authors, and yeah. you know, it's just uh, you know, we were sort of pinching ourselves, looking at each other, going, "What the hell are we doing here?" Um, and uh, so and not only a, a literary fest, it's also you get musicians from all over England as well. You guys had an opportunity to talk to a few up and comers and some uh, classics, right? Yeah, well, we talked to the Oriels, who was a band uh, to watch um, in 2018. Uh, looking very much forward to their album coming out in February. Uh, they had a couple of singles that they released in England this year, and um, their singles were fantastic. They're a great band, and they are all of you know 17, 18 years old, uh, have been playing together, I think, since they were 9 or 10, and um, just really have, I mean, th- their influences are, are, you know, sort of belie their, their youth, and, um, and I think Christian said to them, you know, you you have a lot in common with the Pixies, and, and uh, well, you can tell the story better than I. Oh, no, I mean, it was just, I, we got to the end of the set, and I was thinking, man, you know, some of these bass lines and, and these, you know, the guitar is just, like, so um, uh, clearly, you know, bears bears that influence, and, and, of course, I mentioned that, and they sort of lit up, and it was like, oh, yeah, we, we fucking love the Pixies. Like, you know, we, we literally got together because... Uh, you know, because we we um, heard Surfer Rosa and and uh, basically said we want to make music like this. Um, now, granted, they were nine when that happened, um, as as you said. So I, I do think though they they reflect the fact that you know practice is important and um, ten years of chemistry, even if it starts at a really young age, um, is ten years of chemistry, and it, it definitely shows. Um, they are incredibly comfortable with each other and and on stage. Um, and just have a real presence. I'm, I'm so excited for, for them. So we talked to them. We uh, we had um, one of our uh, probably my favorite um, interview moment of the year, which was sitting in a uh, small caravan with uh, famed producer Andy Weatherall and um, 
Scottish author Dave Keenan, author of uh, This Is Memorial Device, which I'm currently reading. And that was about as funny a scenario as you can get. We were behind the uh, live performance tent sitting in a, in a tiny little caravan, um, choked with uh, a lot of pot smoke and um, could not understand a word that Mr. Keenan said. Uh, although everything he said was hilariously funny, if that makes any sense at all. <laughs> if that, yeah, if it is possible that, um, no, and, and that, that really was, uh, one of the, one of the great highlights, I think. And in addition at that festival, you know, so we, we were able to interview the Orioles. Um, uh, and, uh, I, I think that, you know, we, we've had a couple of other great live interviews um, that, that we've done this year. So, the you know, The Bones of J.R. Jones um, was, was one of our favorites. We, of course, got the chance to see him um, just hours after after we actually recorded the interview, which was great. Um, then uh, Simon Doom, I think probably the artist I saw most in 2017, yeah, I if say, I were to tally it up. The, the theme song to Brother Brother, who I got to see. I've never seen in Brooklyn, but I got to see in L.A. Oh. Friendship, and Simon Doom is uh, you know, one of our favorite, favorite artists and friends. Then, of course, uh, Radar Eyes. Um, yep, Anthony Cozy from Radar Eyes, who's uh, from Chicago originally, now out in L.A. as well. And then Nehi from Chicago, a band that... Um, Wynn and I got to see the Middle East. I think Christian saw in Brooklyn, who I think is one of our favorite kind of up-and-coming bands and, and a lot of fun as well. And, uh, and USA Nails, I would toss out there as well, who are actually going to be playing in, uh, in the United States in, in just a month or two um, for their, I believe... I, I think we talked about this at the time. I think it's their first U.S. tour, so I'm uh, pretty excited and hopefully uh, get the chance to host them a bit while, we're, while they're here in Brooklyn. Additionally, uh, authors Ray Paget, uh, who wrote a great book on covers, on the history of, of uh, the twenty, what he deemed the 20 greatest covers of all time. Uh, Dan Buxpan, who is the uh, who we talked to about heavy metal, who's the author of the Encyclopedia of Heavy Metal and the Encyclopedia. I gotta say too, and Dan was a wave. great great interview and so much fun. And, and I am the least knowledgeable on heavy metal, so I, I love listening to that. Had to have been one of the most controversial uh, pods of the year. I got more <laughs> <laughs> tweets and, and emails about. I got more uh, shit you know, from my metal. Yeah, yeah. The metal. Also, I think I think I think Dan knows that when he's oh, going yeah, into this definitely. kind of stuff. He's, he's, he's the classic. Anybody who's willing to throw down the gauntlet with every Metallica fan out there, which is, I, uh, I loved. It was yeah. great. It was a lot of fun. And then we had a little stand at a small venue in New York. Oh, um, the Met. Uh, was that? Oh yeah, the Met. Oh you yeah, that's right. It. The Met. Yeah. Wouldn't would you like to talk about the Met? Sure, we did. Uh, Unless you're too exhausted from performing at the Met. Yeah, it was it was pretty wild. Um, we had uh, two live events at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, courtesy of uh, the um, Prints and Drawings Department and their World War One and the Visual Arts uh, show, which um, which uh, featured artwork by our antecedent Wyndham Lewis and my namesake and. Uh, Jennifer Farrell and Nadine Ornstein, the curators there, were kind enough to extend the offer to uh, host a, a live podcast from there. So the first one we did was with a good friend um, and Pulitzer Prize finalist, uh, Rajiv Joseph. He of playwright of uh, Bengal Tiger, the Baghdad Zoo fame, and uh, currently, or very recently, uh, um, described the night. A, uh, a play he had, had written and produced um, 
in Los Angeles and then it had a, a brief run in um, New York at the Atlantic this year. Uh, Rajiv, uh, we talked to about his play, Ar- the, uh, sorry, his play Archduke, which was uh, concerning the assassins, um, the bumbling assassins that uh, took out Franz Ferdinand and, and lit the fuse for the beginning of World War One. So it was very uh, on point and it was a, it was a great conversation. And then uh, just a couple of weeks ago, just before Christmas, uh, we talked to um, uh, another good friend and uh, noted installation artist and sculptor Evie Day and um, good friend Josh Lieb, who is a producer of, the, was a longtime uh, producer and head writer of Daily Show with Jon Stewart and um, also the producer of The Tonight Show, former Simpsons News Radio and uh, current Silicon Valley writer. So um, that conversation was also fantastic, and that was about propaganda. Um, hopefully, uh, the venerable institution and its uh, and the lovely people that work well, there will I, I have us we're back the house again. Band, by the yeah, way. <laughs> we are we are to the Met uh, and podcasting. What I believe the we- Ramones were to CBGBs. We took them, yeah, from from being a mere internationally renowned art gallery to uh, being <laughs> the premier uh, uh, podcast. podcasting venue in New York City. It's it's it was a long it was a long <laughs> uh, ride, and uh, but they are standing on the shoulders of giants. So here you are. <laughs> but well, yeah, that was a, that was a pretty wild way to end the year. And um, I'm you know I was all joking aside, very proud to have participated in in obviously with Port Elliot, but also um, you know the fact that we were able to do live events at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Yeah, um, yeah. pretty it remarkable. Proves the point that if you just surround yourself with enough talented people, eventually good things will good happen things to will you. Happen, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of talented people, I will say that. Uh, one of my favorite memories of the year was uh, taking the train down to New York, meeting you guys pre-Met, and uh, you know, meeting our, our wonderful producer, Damian Kendall, who came in from San Francisco, who helps actually do all the things that none of us are capable of doing. Maybe like counting? Is, but certainly Wyndham and I are not. <laughs> and, uh, he, he double-checks all the math. That, that, all, that are, I was going to yeah. say all three of us, but it was actually four of us when we include Damian <laughs> walking into the Met. With uh, you know black briefcases and uh, large coats and just and heavy winter coats, heavy, yeah, absolutely looking like we were going to either vandalize or steal something. And Completely be, undeterred by security, <laughs> by the way. So <laughs> Who, if you want to do a podcast at the Met, just walk in. Yeah, we d- we just kept saying uh, we're here for an event, and they kept <laughs> pointing us back and deeper, deeper into the uh, into the building. But yeah, all, <laughs> sorry. In all Why seriousness, no? a big thank you to Damien as well for. Absolutely. What does he say? Unwavering heartfelt praise for her. Yeah, I believe I have in my notes here, and I I don't know who wrote these, but I I suspect very much now that it was Damien. This is where we talk about our unwavering and heartfelt praise for our heroic producer, Damien Kendall. So I guess we can cut that out, right? Well, do you forget legend? (laughs) Legendary, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Venerable, legendary uh, uh, producer, and um, anyway. So that was uh, that was 2017 for brother brother yeah. brother a damn good I'm, year. I'm excited though. I think I think there are a few congratulations to you too, Wyndham. Thank you. 
<laughs> oh, you're welcome. Um, now, I do think there were a few things in 2017, though, that, that we'd like to repeat this year. Um, and, you know, there are a few recurring segments that I really get a kick out of. I think, uh, you know, I, I like the idea of doing our, our quarterly, um, you know, sort of what are you listening to recaps where we dig up all our new favorite bands and, and just toss them out there for uh, for our um, hordes of adoring fans. And um, I, I think in addition, uh, you know, our greatest American band bracket last year, while I will admit... Another controversial segment, but... It created a little bit of controversy, <laughs> yes. Um, where's Kiss? Kiss sucks. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, and they, no, Christian Aerosmith doesn't suck. Uh, well, all right. Um, but, but in any event, you know, I, I think we're going to have to figure out what the... Uh, what the category is going bracket. to be, or yeah, what yeah. the bracket's going to be. And we're um, open to suggestions, so if uh, our fans want to uh, tweet or email or hit up the pod, we have to just call Dan. We may not listen. His number is no, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I, I think you know we'll, we'll definitely be back, and and uh, exactly how we define the parameters this year is is still um, up in the air. We've got a few ideas that we're pretty excited about, but. Um, but, uh, but which one we choose, I think, is, uh, is still remains a question. Well, one thing I, w- I just want to say quickly before we go to a break is, uh, you know, we had the, the, the um, decided pleasure of uh, interviewing and meeting uh, several artists who are going to have um, full-length releases next year. And we're very much looking forward to Charles Bissell, who was kind enough to have us into uh, a listening party and also into his kitchen to uh, disrupt his day, um, recorded an interview podcast with him. And um, Gold Connections, who were really in, highly anticipating um, uh, a full-length uh, from this year uh, as, and uh, you know as much as we celebrated the EP last year I'm very much looking forward to seeing what's next and uh, the Orioles um, those upstart kids from the north of England uh, are coming out with something in February so we will have a chance to double back with some of our favorite artists who we've interviewed already and talk to them about their new projects this year so look forward to that and anyway with that you want to hit, hit a break and, and come back let's do it <laughs> There's far too many of you dying You know we've got to find a way To bring some loving here today Father, Father We don't need to escalate You see, war is not the answer For only love Don't punish me with brutality Talk to me so you can see Welcome 
Welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Today we are saying goodbye to 2017 and hello 2018. Um, one of the things that, you know, is always interesting every year is um, to sort of look back and, and figure out which songs were inescapable, uh, which ones were inescapable that you wanted to escape and which ones were inescapable that you were pretty pleased were following you around all the time. Um, you know, the, certainly uh, my, you know, my, my sort of uh, connection to the, or my, you know, my lifeline in, in this world is usually uh, going up to my uh, niece and nephews and um, seeing what, you know, my eight and six-year-old niece and nephew are, are listening to tends to uh, reflect pretty widely what the rest of America is listening to. Um, I've learned to learn from children what is, uh, what, what is popular and what's a hit. So um, what, were the, what were the songs you found that you could not get away from this year, uh, willfully, willfully or otherwise? Yeah, well, I'd like to start with a, a couple of the songs that actually, um, you know, that I really did like, uh, that I thought were the biggest of the year that, you know, I didn't worry about escaping. Um, and so I would say Despacito is definitely one of those, Daddy Yankee and, and Justin Bieber. Um, and, you know, it's kind of cool. I mean, this is like a, a pretty, I, I think this is an important sort of, um, or pivotal point in, uh, in, in music. I mean, it's the first time that a, a Spanish language song has topped the charts in this way. Um, and certainly it had staying power since Rico Suave since Rico Suave. (laughs) Yes. Uh, yes. Since Rico Suave. Um, but, uh, but you know, it's, it's, it was a cool song, like, and it, it really did grow on me. Um, it has basically the same beat that every reggaeton song has. Um, Literally all of them have the exact same bass line, but built on that, um, you know, or is the the rest of it is uh, ornamented well, um, and uh, I can finally identify my first Justin Bieber song. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly, which I'm really proud of. Um, anyway, Bodak Yellow, I, I like. Uh, I know you guys aren't as uh, keen on that as I am. Um, not my I, favorite, but a huge song. Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, I think it's it's. If you had to pick a single song of the year, um, I would want to pick one of Kendrick's tunes. But this probably got the most playing time. Um, I would say, you know, that is a, a great segue into Humble and, and DNA, which are fucking killer tracks. Um, they are also everywhere. Tracks that just swept the nation, I think, yeah. and, and again... I, there's no NBA commercial without yeah, the... Exactly. I mean, there's literally no sports commercial I just, I mean, I remember we were at a, a Christmas party recently playing shuffleboard in Brooklyn, and uh, that song came on, and everybody in the place yeah. just started to move. Just know? started playing shuffleboard a little <laughs> bit cooler. It was... There's some hard <laughs> shuffleboarding going on. Um... But I, I would say uh, Bad and Bougie by Migos, um, which will come up again in a minute. Uh, you know, I, I like, those guys fucking kill it. I've loved them since Versace came out in 2013, I think. Um, but they have just the way that they've changed sort of rhyming patterns and schemes. I mean, that flow is just one of the most unusual things that I've heard in, in years. Um, and it really does feel innovative in a way that, like, I, you know, I, I can't point to a lot of things over the last, 10 years in rap that, you know, have felt truly um, original. Uh, sort of important and original. This year, though, actually, I think, you know, there there are a number of those. Um, and so Migos is a good a segue again into guys like Lil Uzi Vert and Lil Yachty, who 
really are kind of changing what maybe rap means. Um, they're breaking that genre down. They they uh, are incorporating elements of emo, screamo, rock, alternative rock, um, and not just doing so musically, uh, but also doing so in terms of their own image and their persona. Fashion. Yeah. Fashion. yeah. 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 I mean, and I think it's is... funny, too, that there's a sense of, like, there's a little pushback from sort of the old school community and kind of the traditional community of hip-hop and just music lovers in general, but the kids fucking love that shit. Yeah. And it's good. I mean, those are great. Well, and, like, what is Ice-T's job other than to tell whoever the up-and-coming rapper yeah. of the hour is to go fuck themselves? <laughs> like, that's that guy has done that at every single possible opportunity over the last, like, 15, 20 years. But you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, like, it's... It's just it draws people in. I mean, if if look, it's what people are listening to who are you know between twelve and twenty, and that like makes a huge difference. Um, it's also interesting that those guys are elevating their profile through media forms that you know that are even less conventional than say your your traditional streaming services. So it's not just happening uh, it's not just happening on Spotify and Apple Music anymore it's it's SoundCloud right it's, no, it's, it's, it's the which is a singles factory I mean it's evolution you, just, you upload your music and you get enough people to pay attention to you and you have this incredible democratic momentum that I think the record industry doesn't really know how to process um, and you know billboard is obviously, uh, looking to yeah, they're trying to figure out ways to to incorporate these guys and recognize them for their accomplishments and and you know to that point, this year is the first year that YouTube plays are going to have uh, uh, a higher um, a higher impact on uh, overall you know al- the the album sales uh, algorithm that Billboard uses to calculate um, how successful different pieces of music are. So yeah, I mean, there's a parallel in television where the the technology and the evolution of the business is, is outpacing uh, anyone's ability to uh, monitor it or correctly sort of um, uh, you know. Uh, uh, pre- well, quantify I, I get, uh, how yeah. how successful something is, and so you know you get the you know you're talking. I mean, particularly it's a particularly um, you know worth noting in a year 2017 where you know uh, we have a president who's constantly talking about ratings as if the whole thing is a as a TV show. Um, you know the uh, you know they they really don't know how to quantify or how to monitor. Uh, what you're watching or what you're listening to right now with any certainty. So it's all a bit skewed and the industry is, is playing catch up yet again. Definitely. So that said, um, what are, uh, what are your favorite songs of the year? What were your favorite songs of the year, Christian? All right. I've narrowed it down to five. These are subject to change. Not six. <laughs> no. Um, partly because I got to do the last section where I got to name five of my other yeah, favorite Christian songs. Christian gets ten. That's I not basically fair. get ten, yeah. Um, but uh, I would say, all right, first is Girls by Joey Perv. This, it's still completely... Com- I, first of all, I first heard this, this on SoundCloud. This is the best jam of the year. I don't understand how this wasn't a hit. Um, and, you know, I understand in the post-Weinstein era why this wasn't a hit, um, <laughs> which is to say that, like, you know, no song called Girls about, like, different women that you might meet in a nightclub um, would possibly pass the, uh, you know, sniff test right now. And and that's fine. But this came out last winter. Um, and it was like the best summer jam to come out in January that I'd heard in a long time. So it's uh, it's Joey Perp featuring Chance the Rapper. Um, With a great, a great uh, addition. 
Chance's yeah. verse, by Chance's the way, is phenomenal. Yeah, uh, yeah. manages to rhyme. Uh, Tanahisi Coates was spotty Adi dope. The uh, the uh, Atlians song um, by Outcast. Uh, so yeah, I mean it's it's a killer track and um, sort of one of the most fun uh, sort of club jams that that I guess kind of never was. Um, from there, I will go to Sugar Tastes Like Salt by the Orioles. We've talked a fair amount about them already, but you know what? Uh, this band is is onto something good, and this is just a eight minute banger um and uh, that of course a, a term that they're your their term not ours yeah um but it really is uh it's a it's a terrific song that that um you know is is not a moment too uh too long um i would add let me down easy by gang of youths i think is just a, a really sort of it, it one of the more sort of orchestral songs that that um We'll find on on my list anyway, but uh, it is it's a really sort of smartly written, great lyrics. Um, clearly, you know, excellent musicians uh, behind this, um, and a band that again I'm I'm really excited about. They um, don't acronymize their uh, their name as Goy, do they? Uh, they do not. They do not. <laughs> um, would you have said? <laughs> okay, um, then I'm going to go with Telling Lies by the Menzigers, who. Uh, I guess this also came out last January or February, but um, possibly because it's about uh, what you will do as a punk when you are in your 30s, and I am tragically approaching that uh, particular benchmark, um, and and will reach it this uh, this next year. Um, but you know, it's also it's it's a great sort of like rancid era, um, or uh, you know, sort of no cal punk style song um with uh with actually you know pretty smart well-written lyrics so definitely check them out the menzingers are are a pretty cool punk band from from jersey and then finally i'll just say woke up like this by playboy cardi and lil uzi vert um which is you know partly just me uh insisting that i know what the kids are listening to uh i'm watching you kids Mm -hmm. so look out kids on your coattails now (laughs) yeah exactly Talk. Woke up to niggas sounding like me. Talk. Woke up.
Uh, Jerry, what, what, what were your songs of the year? Yeah, so, I mean, I'm going to kind of go back to a few artists I talked to, talked about, actually, throughout the pod this year and, and start off with, I'm probably the, the biggest fan of, of uh, Big Thief, certainly out of, of the three of us, and Shark Smile, to me, was just, I thought, a terrific single. It was a song that, you know, like a good novel and, you know, really painted a picture, but also had a great chugging sound and, and great lyrics. Um, so love that song. Um, Alex Leahy's Every Day is the Weekend. I just thought that was like a super fun, power poppy punk song with funny lyrics. Um, just a, a, a great, great song. Um, I really loved XX is on hold. You know, I know that's one that like hit the radios pretty hard and, and definitely was like a, a hit for them. But it was the first time Jamie XX really threw in some samples and, and using the, the uh, Hall & Oates sample I thought was great. And it's just a, it's a really good song. I thought they, they took a huge leap forward this year. That was one of my favorite albums of the year and, and definitely one of my favorite singles. One of your favorite live acts, too. It was, yeah. I got to uh, enjoy that one with my, my, my uh, daughters, which was a lot of fun. And so uh, um, Brockhampton, another group that I had on my high up on my top 21 list of the year. And... Uh, Gummy is the single that gets a lot of attention, but Sweet is my favorite song off that, that or favorite jam, I guess, off that album. It's just, you know, super rap forward, great lyrics, and uh, just a, a track that I constantly go back to. Um, I loved the Disco Tits from Tove Lo. I think not only was it the best video of the year, uh, probably one of the best, like, dance song titles ever. It's It's just a you know, old school, sexy, fun, uh, you know, dance track that you don't get as often these days. It's like super playful, uh, great groove and, uh, a lot of fun. And I highly recommend anybody YouTubing the video cause it's fucking hilarious. And then, you know, I think my favorite single of the year was Sylvan Esso's Die Young. I know, I don't know if you guys are as hot as, on that song as I was, but for some reason that song just kind of stuck with me. I love the way it kicks in. I liked pretty much every single they put out this year but that is a song that uh you know I, I when I was looking at like what did I play the most just in single format um Sylvanesso's Die Young was was high up there How about you? Well, I've got a top five. I just I want to tip my hat to my the radio uh, t- 
top 40 song that I that I really liked this year, which was uh, Calvin Harris with uh, Pharrell and Katy Perry feels. Um, that was a it was a big hit, and I I just really liked that way that thing was. You know what is what is it? What's the what it's like to catch fish? <laughs> that is literally what it sounds like she's saying, but yeah. Oh, maybe. Have you ever? I mean, no, it's feels. She's saying feels, but don't I'm be just afraid to get point. feels. Um, yeah, it's don't also be afraid to catch proof fish. positive that if Pharrell appears on any single, it's it's uh, turns to instant platinum. Yes, yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, that you think about the songs you know that guy's been involved with, including his own, but you know, I mean, Happy and Get Lucky and uh, um, the Robin Thicke tune. And, yeah, I mean, just got blurred lines. Yeah, he's just on everything. I mean, it's. I mean, he's got the touch. <laughs> it's true, and yeah. I would toss in there to uh, top forty. I would just say "Sorry, Not Sorry" by Demi Lovato. Um, yeah, yeah. I love that song, and actually gets a ton of play for me. But that's sort of her just unloading those like massive pipes that she's got, um, and it's you know it's got a little bit of grit, a little bit of like uh, cool bitchiness to it. Um, that was a cool. That was a good song. Really yeah, like it totally is. Um, you know, it's you're fucking with a savage is is a line that like. It, it just, it sticks out. It's so not Katy Perry. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I think that that really is, uh, you know, that's got to be her niche. Like, she's she's done a lot as far as, you know, coming uh, forward about mental health issues and all sorts of things. Um, that I, I just, I think it's cool that, that she's, uh, that, that she's sort of come into her own and, and clearly making music that um, is as much autobiographical as it is fucking good. Yeah. It's it's a quality stuff, but I tell you, so my top five, uh, pretty rock heavy, um, predictably. But uh, White Reapers, the stack, I love that song. If you, may, you know, I've mentioned it before. Uh, I just I can't believe that that line had never been used before, and and good for them for coming up with it. But if you make the girls dance, the boys will dance with them. Um, Spoon, whisper, and I'll listen to hear it uh, again. Not not even. A single on that album, uh, I don't think, but uh, I really I kept playing that song over and over again. It just, it's got such a uh, cool momentum, and it's so spare at the beginning, and it winds up filling out. It's the classic spoon, you know. Uh, every, um, you know, always forward momentum. Uh, everything's layered and yet very um, independent pieces uh of instrumentation i I just really you know great band one of my favorites uh queens of the stone age the evil has landed uh just a kick-ass rock song kendrick lamar humble which we've already talked about uh which i think is you know it's just unbelievably great uh song and then my my song of the year um is charlotte gainsburg's deadly valentine i think that is I did, you know, I think Christian kind of nailed it when he put it on the um, top ten songs of all time playlist um, two days after it came out. It is <laughs> an instant classic. It just, it's one of those songs that when you hear it for the, I remember hearing uh, "Crazy" by Gnarls Barkley uh, when it first came out and just trying to figure out who the hell it was and what it was a cover of. Um, when in fact it was an original, and that's kind of it's the same feeling I have with Deadly Valentine, where it's such like, a sexy brooding, like it, uh, yeah, it's air is the only like is the is the first comparison the I make. Yeah, it's, it really is, but it felt immediately as if it had been in the in the uh, 
atmosphere for 30 years. Right. How isn't this song already out there? Because I know this song. (laughs) Yeah, it it just felt like it felt very familiar immediately. And and that is my favorite song of the year. Um, So anyways, uh, let's take a break and and then come back and uh, end this thing. Back to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Today we are bidding a not-so-fond farewell to 2017 and throwing open the floodgates on 2018. And one of the ways we're doing that tonight is talking about albums that are, you know, music that we're excited about in the coming year, um, 2018. Um, you know, I've taken a look at some of the schedules for uh, upcoming releases. I'm getting excited. But what, what are you most excited about for uh, the coming year? Christian, you you had your finger more on the pulse than than Jared and I these days. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy. Well, first of all, I think Titus is probably going to come out with something in Chance, uh, the rapper, as well. And I think those two are are probably top of the list for me. Um, you know, Friends of the Pod, Gold Connections, uh, definitely have something coming down the pike. Um, their first full length LP, um, and uh, and then Casper Skulls. You know, as, as I think they'll release a few singles this year. Um, as they gear up for their next album, so um, all of those are, are definitely you know on the uh, on, sort of at the top of my list. Hmm. Yeah, I'm curious to to hear what a what a Rostam free Vampire Weekend album sounds. Yeah, that like. was on my list as well. Uh, slightly less like a douchebag, I think. Um, <laughs> the guy is apparently not very pleasant. I think you have some big, big artists coming out too. Justin Timberlake announced the title of his new album, Man of the Woods, and he's always good for a couple bangers. Yeah, we're going to get two awesome singles out of him no matter what. You know, as well, has a new album. And uh, I'm a big fan of Rye, and uh, I'm excited for their new album, Blood, to come out. Yeah, the uh, Sade cover band. (laughs) Exactly. Um, The male fronted Sade cover band. I have the as we mentioned before, the Orioles are coming out with their first full length, um, and of course, uh, the Wrens, um, who uh, you know have been dropping a, a, a series of EPs. And no, I'm just kidding. Um, the Wrens are coming out with their first album in in 15 years. <laughs> 
I think something like that. <laughs> and uh, I like to so really work on Thrones are ostensibly <laughs> coming out, but no, actually, um, we're just talking to Charles about this, and it, it sounds like uh, we should be all preparing for a big announcement on their part um, in, uh, let's say, the first week of February. Wow. Considering they're the brother, brother, brothers, unanimous favorite band, we're pretty excited. And, and, and the place where we have an inside track. Um, so, yeah, look, look out for, for an early February announcement. I think it'll be pretty cool. Yeah, all I have to say is, uh, um, you know, regardless of, of, you know, whether you're a big Wrens fan or whether you've heard of them or, or not, um, it's, it's inarguable. The one thing that's inarguable is it is the most anticipated record of the year because it has had the most time to build anticipation. <laughs> because it's already been at the most anticipated record of the year for the most number of years. Yeah. Um, so... It's um, but it, we, it's like it's like compound interest. It's kind of a math problem. It, it eventually, yeah, man. There's <laughs> a four letter word again. Um, anyway, but yeah, we've had a, a sneak, a couple of sneak previews, and and um, pretty thrilled uh, with what we've heard so far. So looking forward to that one. Um, anybody else uh, that you know of uh, that's you know sort of coming out with, um, you know, big records in the in the coming year. I mean, I. Uh, I tend not to know the release schedules as much. I kind of I tend to get, I, I tend to get surprise albums dropped on me even when they're planned. Sometimes. Well, we've so, definitely got. I mean, the Bones of Jared Jones is uh, coming out with his album in May, and I think that's um, that's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, I've obviously been been listening to this as it's been coming together for for the last few months, um, and uh, I think that's going to be uh, a. a really uh a really ex- uh, excellent um excellent work so yeah i know um, mgmt's new album's coming out and uh uh our good friend and uh composer of the brother 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 theme song simon o'connor is going to be uh, playing touring with them um so looking forward to hearing what that what their new stuff sounds like um and uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to a, a wiping the slate clean of 2017. And, yeah, and, uh, despite 2017's uh, you know sort of climate of uh, fear and uh, shame, let's say I think it was a pretty damn good year of music. So it was. 2018 is gearing up to be uh, hopefully equally as good. Awesome. Well, uh, go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say car seat headrest. Oh yeah, dropped a single recently. Will Marsh's uh, Will Marsh's friend Will Toledo, um, also our top album of 2016, uh, is is going to be back with an album. I believe the Breeders, one of your favorite shows of 2017, yeah. Jeremy. Got to see the Breeders at Sinclair this year, and they were fucking rocked. So. Um, Kanye West is is uh, I believe climbing down from his mountain in Montana or wherever the hell he was seeking refuge uh, for some personal time. Um, I think that was Calabasas, yeah. Okay, well. Sure. I'm not an expert in, you know, <laughs> these things. Um, but anyway, he's coming back with an album, and uh, I'm pretty excited about that because it's one of those few moments where, kind of like Game of Thrones or other mass cultural events, it really doesn't matter who you meet and who you're with. You can probably talk about what's going on in the world of Kanye West uh, and, you know, and, and just have an interesting conversation about it. Um, most people are are paying attention to, to what that guy's doing, so um, I uh, I think that's that's pretty interesting. I would say in your guys' um, camp or age bracket, 
My Bloody Valentine, I believe, is coming yes. back with an album next that. summer. I'll believe it when I see it. But yeah, I've heard that. I was just super wild. chunk. Super mm-hmm. chunk is coming out with a new album. We're actually going to be seeing them yep. in, in, April, in April, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, and oh, and then of course, Andrew WK. Oh, nice. That guy likes to party. Party hard. He sure does. All right. Well, do you want to uh, um, take a quick break and come back and and uh, talk about uh, what we're what's add to songs come? to the playlist? Yeah, yeah add songs to the playlist and uh, yeah, wrap this thing up. Awesome. Welcome back to the Brother Brotherhood, and uh, we are ending 2017 as we end every episode with uh, what are you listening to and adding some songs to our uh, our playlist of infinite best songs ever. So, Wyndham, what are you listening to these days? Uh, I have been um, suffering uh, the cold in New England like everybody else um, in this area. Um, it has not climbed above 20 degrees in about 10 days and, and doesn't show any signs of doing so. So I have been catching up on movies and television and I saw call me by your name the other night, which I really liked. Um, you know, really beautiful, uh, movie, beautiful sentiment. Um, and, you know, shooting a movie in, in, uh, Northern Italy is, is automatically just makes it eye candy. So, um, and then uh, on the flip side of that, uh, Godless on Netflix, which I really enjoyed. Uh, old friend uh, Merritt Weaver uh, coming back in, in a role that um, I wouldn't have imagined her in, but I uh, really enjoyed her in. Um, I think the whole cast was, was great. And um, you know, Michelle Dockery, Jeff Daniels, um, and uh, multiple other folks. Um, but uh, just a fun you know, Western, um, that, you know, isn't necessarily my genre, but I, I really liked this show. It was well put together and, and, and fun to watch. And it's a, another, uh, event series or limited series as they say. So we don't have to worry about season two, not sticking, uh, or not, not being as good as season one because the whole thing's over and it was a lot of fun to watch. I'm not sure they worried about the ending of season one uh, uh, before yeah, writing. I <laughs> no, I liked it very much. Um, in fact, I liked it so much that I watched the entire thing in a day uh, on a recovery day, admittedly, uh, also known as January 1st. Um, 
but uh, but no, I, I definitely I thought it was beautiful. It was extremely well acted. Um, there were a few uh, sort of narrative as like the development aspects that I wasn't so sure about. Um, I, I but but I, I agree with you. I think it's definitely worth a watch. Yeah, that's why this is called "What Are You Listening To?" Instead of "What's Wrong with What I'm Listening To." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jerry, what are you listening to? I. Uh... I'm always behind you guys, so I, um, and you guys both talked about this show on Netflix, Mindhunter, and I just started it, so I'm going to say I like it thus far, and then being the only brother who has any sort of uh, namesake and two children, I did go see Coco the other day on a, thank you Christian, recovery day as well, in reclining theater seats, so the part that I didn't fall asleep during um, was actually really enjoyable. I heard that was really good. Yeah. What is Coco? It's a uh, it's a movie about a for our uh, adult Day listeners. of the Dead. Exactly. Yeah. It's an animated yeah. like a Pixar movie about. It was Day actually of the really Dead. good. Yeah, it was fun and um, definitely enjoyable. And so, uh, aside from that, I need to catch up to you too. Well, thank Christian? you, thank you, Wyndham, for taking my. What am I listening to? Sorry, um, I didn't notice. Uh, and, uh, so it's not really just, uh, me criticizing what you're listening to. Um, no, I actually also just finished, uh, The Crown, which I thought was outstanding because I'm a sucker for that shit. Um, I really like, uh, the stories about British monarchy. Um, not so much that I watched Downton Abbey, but, you know, uh, enough. And, um, I think it's, it's another one of these things that's, it's absolutely beautifully, um, directed and, and, uh, sort of ornamented, um, also very well acted. And, you know, even if they take some creative license with, uh, the histories of, uh, of the people it portrays, I think they do a fine job at, um, sort of capturing the, the, the general character of those people. The joys of royalty. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The, uh, um, so no, I, I think that was, uh, I, I certainly enjoyed it. I don't, you, you've seen it as well, right? One of them. Yes, I have. I really, I think it's great. I think it's uh, beautifully shot. And, and you know, and it, again, yeah, at times it can be a little bit, um, uh, take, like you said, take liberties with the truth. But it's still, um, I think, a very solid representation and um, gives you a little bit of insight um, on why we'll never be royals. Um, it doesn't look like as much fun as... Uh, Actually, it doesn't even look as much fun as Game of, Th- you know, being stuck in Game of Thrones in the snow. Um, looks like a pretty miserable life, but altogether a very interesting um, program, and, I, and I'm glad it's on. A very interesting program, <laughs> indeed. That was a Thank good endorsement. you. <laughs> yeah. All right, should we put songs on the playlist? Yeah. And this and this fucking year. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm going first. Uh, Bad and bougie. Nice. Nice. Win. You go first. All right, fine. I'm going to go with an, uh, a song of my youth. I'm going to go with Slack Motherfucker by Superchunk. All right, and I'm going to go with, um, I've been in a, in a Cars K-hole of late, so I'm going to go with Bye Bye Love by the Cars. Good choice. Well, we finished the year. Well done, boys. Yes. Good um, riddance and onward and upward. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. 
Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.